Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to see y'all today. It's a beautiful day. Look, it's so nice outside, and uh, I just can't wait for the week. Uh, I'm I'm so glad we're over winter, aren't you? Uh, Are are you? I think you guys want winter back, okay? Y'all go right ahead. I I don't want it. But but go ahead and get your Bible and your notes out, please. I'd like for you to go ahead and get started uh, getting that ready. While you're doing that, I want to thank some of you guys who came out yesterday for the project day. Uh, did a lot of cleaning and reorganizing around here. Uh, uh, I heard that like some of the people that I saw and, and heard were here. Uh, Megan Van, David Powell, Cindy Hollingsworth, Joy Hodgen, Donna Newton, Ian Woody, Elizabeth Hoverman, Landon Scholl, Anthony Miller, Hunter Pettijohn, Emily Black, Jordan Crisson, Myra Davis, and your nephews, Jared and Mal- Malachi. Okay, I was quite sure, but I didn't want to say it wrong. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. It was a, just things are so much more fresh around here today because of what you did yesterday. But while you're getting your Bibles out, open them up to Ephesians chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 6. Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 6, those are going to be the two places I need for you to have and to hold and get ready because we're going to dive into God's Word today. I, I, we're going to take a good close look at some scripture. We're going to kind of tear it apart a little bit, and it's going to be fun. But, but, but before I get started, I want to remind you of something that I shared with you this last week. And if you missed last week's message, you need to go back and listen to it or watch it again. But just a reminder that God has already acquired your victory for you, okay? He's already won your victory wherever you might need that victory to happen. But it's up to you to actually go and seize it, to take it, to, to uh, lay claim to it. In, in other words, God has taken action. We need to also take action. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about how that actually works. Uh, you know, and I'm looking around us. I'm looking around in the culture, looking around at things that are happening. And I'm just seeing that joy and peace seems to be like evading people more than I've ever seen it before. You guys sensing that? You seeing that? I mean, it's, it's just like, it's like, where is it? Where is the joy? Where is the peace? And, and it feels like, in a sense, hopelessness is kind of the plague. I, I know people say COVID is the plague, and I understand that. And that's, that's, that's a real, but, but really, it feels like hopelessness is the plague. It's just, we're so hopeless. And I want to address that today because that attitude or those thoughts or that perspective comes from hell. It doesn't come from God because we are designed to have victory over despair. See, Jesus already paid for this on the cross. That comes with salvation. But far too often, we're agreeing, we're coming into agreement with all of these lies from hell. And, and, and we're putting these lies from hell, which are thoughts that come into our mind, we tend to put that above the Word of God. And, and hell has been striking hard with what I would call the spirit of despair. Uh, the devil basically screams in your ears and says, you're no good. God's given up on you. Your situation is, is, is hopeless. So what we have to do is we have to 
learn how to take action to protect our minds. So today's message is entitled, Protecting My Mind. And I'm going to share with you some effective tools regarding how to come against any type of uh, temptation or thought pattern. But but in reality, I, I'm, I'm going to focus in on one in particular, and that's going to be what I would call just a spirit of despair. Uh, I, I looked at this up in the dictionary, and the regular dictionary says that despair means this. It's a complete loss of absence or hope. This is the enemy right here. Disheartenment, discouragement, desperation, distress, anguish, depression, misery, defeatism, pessimism, and suicidal feelings. <laughs> That's that despair, and it's, 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 it's very much around. And it's triggered by a lot of things. It's been triggered by, by uh, uh, job loss or fractured relationships or sickness or financial strain or political stress even or, or physical challenge. And so this despair just seems to be sinking into a lot of people. And, and I'm telling you, despair is very, very real. Yeah. It's very real, but it's something we've got to learn how to press back on. In fact, I looked up some statistics, and there's really a shocking reality that, uh, that nationally, in the United States of America, there are approximately 35,000 suicides every year. And the number of suicides, the, the percentage of Christians, people who call themselves Christians, and those who are not, is actually the same. I'm telling you guys, this, this shouldn't be. Christ died so that we wouldn't have to do this. In fact, this last year, we've seen an almost a 40% increase in that. In fact, last year in the United States, 48,344 suicides. Despair is growing, but we don't have to let it seize us. We need to seize the freedom. We need to seize the victory. See, God doesn't want it to be that way, right? Do you believe that, right? So there's hope. There's hope. So we, well, one of the things that we pray and we believe in is we can pray and say, God, deliver us from evil. Do you believe that God does that? So we can pray and see evil squashed. Because when you pray in the name of Jesus, God, our, God acts. He does. He acts. Now, here's one of the challenges, though. A lot of times we pray, we believe God, we rebuke the enemy, but then you feel like, well, God didn't answer that prayer because I'm still dealing with it. Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, here at the end of the service, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that, that the enemy is rebuked in different areas of your life, and he will do that for you. In fact, God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But after that, there's a challenge that we all have to begin to overcome because God definitely delivers us from evil. That's even in the Lord's Prayer, right? But God will not do for you what you will not do for yourself. Let me say that again. But God will not do for you what you're not willing to do for yourself. So God does that first part, but then we have to do something else. That's the way it works. So God's going to respond to your cry. God is going to deliver you from forces of hell, evil spirits of hell that are tormenting your soul. But then you have a responsibility to exercise spiritual discipline over your own thoughts. 
So that's where you have to begin to protect your mind. And, and, it, and the, the truths on how to do this is given to us in the Word of God. And so we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to start today because here we see the, uh, Paul giving us what we call the spiritual armor of God. And Paul is writing this. Uh, he, he's writing this to a church. It's a, it's a victorious, strong church. It's a church in Ephesus. Church history tells us that this, was, this actually became the center of Christianity in the Roman Empire uh, in the early days, it was just a huge, it was a city that was literally transformed by the power of God. Like, it was a city that thrived on idolatry and idol worship, and all of a sudden, the the idolatry economy, that part of the economy just caved in because people were buying idols anymore, and people were worshiping God. The the, the church had made such a difference in the culture that that the whole city had been turned upside down. Well, here... G, uh, Paul talks to this church. He addresses them. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now, here he's going to tell you how to do, uh, do battle against the forces of hell. Ephesians 6, 10, take a look at it now. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong and in his mighty power. Now, two really important words right here. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? The devil's schemes, yeah. right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, now, what that means is our battle is not against people, but against the rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So this is spiritual battle that we're doing. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And that's what I'm training you in today. After you have done everything to stand. And then he goes into the ways that we do this. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is awesome. And take the helmet of salvation. Hold on. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all of God's people. So this is how we do spiritual battle right here. So Paul's telling his congregation, this is a church that he planted, he's telling his church family, I want you to, in verse 11, put on the armor of God. So here, this is something that we choose to do. It's not something that happens to us automatically because we need to do this because verse 13 says, when the day of evil comes. So it's going to come. There are going to be days. What is the day of evil? Well, the day of evil is when temptations are intense, when, when pessimism and despair is overwhelming. It's when sickness and disease seems to rule you. That is the day of evil. You get that? So that when the day of evil comes, and those days come to every single one of us, you will be able to put on, put on this spiritual armor so you can do battle. And we will do battle not against people, 
okay? We as Christians, it's not about doing battle with people, but, but we're doing battle against the forces of evil. You're doing battle on a completely different level that the world can't do battle. And then this passage tells us that we do this with this spiritual armor and the word of God, which is like this spiritual sword. And, which, and, and it also tells us you, you, at, the, at the end of this passage, and you need to be praying a lot. Pray. That's why we have a prayer meeting tonight. We need to pray a lot. Pray, pray. Be in prayer constantly. But I want to draw you to your attention to one particular item that's in this listing, and that is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, all right? Now, what does the helmet protect? It protects your head, right? Right? But again, this is not a physical battle. So if you go into like, uh, you know, if, if you were to go into some other kind of battle and you're wearing a helmet out in a war, well, it's going to protect your head. But this is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle, so it's not going to protect your head. It's really protecting what? Your mind. Your mind. It is a spiritual battle. It's not a battle against people. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 from the Passion Translation, I want you to read, I want you to listen to how it says. Verse 17, it says, embrace, just listen to this, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. I like how that's brought to life. It says, and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God on all his believers. So now we see this thing. You're going to protect your thoughts. You're going to use the word of God. You're going to pray. There is some potency right here. Church, I want you to walk in victory. It's time that we begin to walk in victory. Some of you in this room have even been plagued with thoughts and emotions that are just pulling you down. They're just being very, very uh, potentially destructive to you. And today's the day where you can begin to get set free. Today's the day where you can begin to break out of this. Again, now today, though, I'm going to focus on this helmet of salvation. Again, what does the helmet of salvation do? do? The helmet of salvation protects our minds. So, do you have the helmet of salvation? Well, you're probably going to say, well, yeah. I mean, if you've, you said, yeah, I prayed a prayer. I, I've accepted Christ in my life. I'm saved. So, I have the helmet of salvation. It's automatic. Like, like I go and I give my life to Christ, and all of a sudden, a helmet goes on my head. I'm, I'm fine. But wait a second. Paul is writing to a local church family. He's writing to Christians who are already saved, and what does he do to the Christians? What is he saying to these Christians? Just like he's telling them to keep praying, he's also saying, and you need to take your helmet of salvation and put it on. So if they're going to have to take, the Christians are going to have to take this and put it on, it has something more to do than just being saved. So what does it mean? I'm glad you asked me. See, we get a clue from this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. I want just to show this to you on the screens. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, just write it down in your notes also, but it says, since we belong to the day, and this is a parallel passage to the spiritual armor, okay? Paul wrote this also. So we look at this. Whenever you're, you're wanting to understand the meaning of scriptures, it's really good to go to some of the parallel passages. He says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and here he's talking about armor again, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, there's a new word that's in there. You didn't see this word in the original listing of the, uh, of the armor of God. Now we see something called the hope 
of salvation as a helmet. Again, you're saying, well, wait, I'm already saved. So why do I need to put on the hope of salvation? I don't need to hope I can get saved. That is actually one of, the, one of the things that the enemy will try to do to people to keep them from taking this forward step. It's like, well, I've already, I've already saved. I'm, I'm already set. I, I don't need the hope of salvation. I'm saying, yeah, you do. Because, again, he's talking to Christians. He says, you need to put on this hope of salvation as a helmet. So the helmet God has given to us protects our minds. But there's a four-letter word. It's a beautiful four-letter word, which is the description of what this helmet really does and what it is. It is hope. Hope is your protection. So it's not just being saved, because being saved gets you into heaven. And thank God for that, right? I thank God. I am saved, and I'm going to heaven. But there's so much more to our walk with God than just getting into heaven. You pray and you ask Christ into your life. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. You're going to heaven. Yeah. But how about some victory while you're on this earth? That's what I'm asking you to do, to engage some victory. Some victory that, that you can have when the day of evil comes on you. And again, this is victory God has already won for you, but you've got to lay hold of that victory yourself. And I believe one of the keys to understanding this is now found in Hebrews chapter 6, which is the second passage of Scripture I've asked you to look up. So if you're at home, you're in here, I want you to get your Bibles open. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Because here it discusses this whole concept of hope and salvation. And this is also a parallel passage to these other passages that we've been looking at today. Now, now the book of Hebrews, to understand what it is, Hebrews is a is a book of the Bible. It was a letter that was written to Hebrew Christians. In other words, Jewish Christians. So these were Christians who had been raised in Judaism. They understood all of the stuff of the Old Testament law, and they were really into it. So they got all of that. They understood it in a way that we don't even begin to understand. So, so the book of Hebrews is unique because it's written specifically to Jews who have given their lives to Christ and have become Christians. And many of those Jews were still carrying on a lot of the traditions from Judaism, which wasn't outlawed or anything like that, but they weren't necessary. But they continued to do it because it was their tradition. So Paul is kind of bringing this together for them, uh, the author of Hebrews. And, 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 uh, and he talks about these, the Jewish law and Jewish traditions and how it actually relates to Jesus all through the book of Hebrews. It's incredible. It's an incredible read. But in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, I want you to see this. I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope. Look at that again. That's important. I'm going to draw your attention to that here in a second again. We who have fled, so you're fleeing something, to take hold of the hope. Hope is our key word here today, but it's something you're taking hold of. You're fleeing to take hold of something, okay? Set before us, maybe greatly encouraged. So he's wanting you to be encouraged. We have this hope, again, he says it, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. The soul speaks of your mind and your emotions and your will, right? So you've got this hope. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, 
this, the, we see hope in there twice. So hope in here speaks of two different things. Now, the Jewish listener would immediately be able to pick up on this and make the conclusion automatically. And if this was a Jewish congregation, you'd go, oh, I get it. And we would just move on to the next thing. But we're not. So I'm going to explain it just a little bit here. So in the outer courts, there was uh, the outer courts of the temple or even the tabernacle before they even built the temple, there was this huge thing called the brazen altar. It was the altar of sacrifice. And, and God had ordained that it have a very specific design. It was, it was huge. And on each of the corners of this were these projections that came out of the altar and they called those the horns of the altar because they kind of looked like horns, all right? So, so there were these four horns that were on these corners of the altar. Now, they served a very specific purpose because God had set it up this way that if you were a fugitive and, and you had done something wrong, you had done something bad, and you were, oh, running for help. They're going to kill me. Everything's going against me in life. I've messed up or, or, or they're accusing me of things. And I, I need some help because things are looking bad for me. What you could do is you could run to the temple or the tabernacle, go into the outer courts, which was open for anyone to go to, and grab hold of one of those four projections. You could grab hold of one of the horns of the altar. So you're a fugitive, you're seeking asylum, and, and, and it also says would be that someone would necessarily have to be accusing you or pursuing you. That's why the scripture says... <laughs> We have fled, we're fleeing something, we're fleeing accusation, we're fleeing the pursuit of the enemy, and we're holding on, we're running to the altar, we hold on to these horns of the altar, we grab hold of these projections, which then become our safety. Because as soon as you grab hold of one of those, according to the law, nobody could mess with you. The accusations had to stop, and that was it. So the horns represent, I mean, the whole hope is, is, is illustrated by these horns of the altar. So the horn means this, is to take hold, or your hope is to take hold of the horns of the altar. That's where we have hope. The enemy cannot seize you because you have taken hold of the horns of the altar. Hell's accusation and hell's pursuit of you must cease. See, the horns of the altar represent hope. Do you understand that? It was a beautiful sight to somebody who had messed up. It was a beautiful sight to someone who was being accused wrongfully. It was a beautiful sight when lies were, were, were going all through the community about them and they could hold on to that. But the enemy is pursuing you. The enemy is lying to you. The enemy is putting thoughts in your head and you've got to take action and run to the presence of God and get hold of this horn of the altar. So you cling to it, and you're safe. So you have, when you're safe, you have what's called salvation from hell's accusation. Now we see the helmet of salvation. We see this hope. It's the hope of hell, of, of, of salvation. You have salvation or safety from the accusations of hell. There's potency here. And when you cling tenaciously to this, the enemy just can't approach you. And this is one of the ways that you get victory. It's 
going to the presence of God and recognizing what God has done for you. Like Jesus Christ is my God. I love him. He has given his life for me because that altar represented the crucifixion of Christ. That altar represented Christ who shed his blood for you. That altar would have been blood, a bloody mess. I'm just telling you, it would have been a bloody mess. But you go, in fact, they would even put blood on each of the horns of the altars. It was a part of their routine. A lot of times they didn't even really know why they were doing it. God just told them what to do it. But every time they would go over there and someone would grab hold of the horns of the altar, it's like their hands were connecting with the blood of the sacrifice. That's what Jesus does for us. We go back to that. It's not like you have to get saved again. But what it is, you're going back you're to Jesus. You're holding on to him saying, I am a child of God. I'm going to hold on to the sacrifice God has given me. I don't have to be defeated. Now, there's another usage that's found in verse 19. I love this stuff, all right? I, hope, I, I, I just love this stuff, okay. Verse 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, now we see hope not just being the horns of the altar, but hope is being referred to as an anchor. Well, what does an anchor do? Let's... let's Let's take a step back from this because this is a second illustration. He gives us two illustrations here. Anchors are needed for ships, right? Why do ships need an anchor? Well, it's because the ship is on, this, on water. Water is an unstable element that has its ebbs and flows and it's up and down and it's moving all around all the time. You have, if you're in water, you have nothing to hold on to. You have nothing to hold on to. So an anchor gives a ship something to hold on to. The anchor goes down through the unstable element, so it goes through the instability and attaches itself to something that is stable and immovable, which is a rock, or typically a boulder, okay? And this provides safety. This provides you to be saved. In other words, salvation. You're saved from the storms. You're saved from the winds and the waves that could potentially destroy you. You are saved from the, this, this, uh, this turbulence that could just drive you off in the wrong direction because you have the anchor. All right, now I want you to look, look a little bit further. Verses 19 and 20, it says this. It says at the end of 19, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And I kept going back, why is it called an It. And then I remember, oh, (laughs) the anchor. So the anchor, it, goes into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. So the it right here is the anchor of hope. And this anchor of hope goes into the Holy of Holies. That was part of the temple. That was part of the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was located. And on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was something called the mercy seat of God. That's that's literally where the presence of God dwelt. So this anchor goes into the Holy of Holies and it attaches itself to the mercy seat, which is the holiest place ever. It is the holiest place. I know you've seen movies about the Ark of the Covenant and some of that stuff's a little weird. But, but this, this, this stuff about, about the Ark of the Covenant is beautiful because the presence of God dwelt right there on top on the mercy seat. In fact, the mercy seat is all, often referred to as the throne of God. You see... What, the, what it would happen is once a year, a high priest, only one person could do this once a year. They would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, 
And they would go in there, and Jesus went in there on our behalf because, like ordinary people, you can't go in because you got sin, all right? So, so Jesus, the sinless one, went in there, and he, he took hold of that mercy seat for us. Uh, but but, uh, but what, what the, the priest would do, the priest would take a lamb in there, and the lamb would be killed, and that would be the, the blood sacrifice would be put onto the mercy seat, and that would cover the people's sins for a year. That happened once a year. Well, thank God we don't have to do that anymore. I'm glad I'm not an old covenant priest. I just would not enjoy any of that. I love the new covenant because Jesus has already done that. But Jesus is the Lamb of God and that mercy seat. In fact, there's this vision of heaven that we find in the book of Revelation where at the very end we see a lamb that's been killed and it's sitting on a throne. Well, that represents the mercy seat. So that's Jesus Christ who has been sacrificed and slain for your sin. He's on that mercy seat. Now, going back to this, hope is an anchor that goes into the Holy of Holies and it attaches itself to the mercy seat, the throne of God. And that is going to give you stability during the instability of life. It's attached to the rock of ages, the throne of Jesus. Now there's victory there, guys. Here's the truth. It says you, this is in your notes. I want you to write this down. It's on the screen. You are anchored to Jesus in the midst of an unstable world. You are anchored. I I want to give you some faith and hope right now. Do Do you feel any hope yet? Okay. Now you're seeing the hope of, of how we're saved. <laughs> this is the hope of your salvation. Take up your hope. <laughs> this is going to be a protection for your mind. Despair will not rule over you. Now I want to talk about that word hope for just a minute because hope is not just wishful thinking. Uh, you might say, well, I'm hoping Pastor Tim you know, moves along with the sermon so I can beat some other people to the restaurant today. Uh, or I'm hoping that, that I get a good parking space at Target because some people take up those spaces. Or I, I, I'm hoping that I'm actually going to be happy today. Okay, that's, that's wishful thinking stuff. Now, no, the, the kind of hope I'm talking about is very different from that. It's not wishful thinking. It is spirit-based. It is a... Uh, it is, it, it, it's a secure expectation. It's a secure expectation because you just, it's this hope, I know. In fact, one of the things that we call, we call in our faith, we call something the blessed hope. It's found in the, in the New Testament. The blessed hope is the return of Jesus Christ. Like we have a secure expectation. It is a blessed hope that Jesus Christ is going to, to come through the clouds. He's going to take us into heaven to live with him forever. That's our blessed hope. That's beautiful. But hope is the foundation for faith. You can't really have faith until you have hope first. So hope comes first. Hope is actually critical to our thriving as believers. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and is the assurance about what we do not see. So it starts with something you begin, I'm hoping for healing. I'm hoping to get free of this despair. I'm hoping to move past. And, and so, so as you begin to hope in the Lord, what happens here is your faith begins to be stirred up. So this is a solid foundation for your faith. That's what, that's what hope is. <clears throat> but, but the problem is a lot of times there's just not the hope that's there. That's what despair is. Despair, as I told you earlier, is hopelessness. So how in the world can you have hope 
If you have hopelessness, if you have despair, a spirit of despair is on you, and, and, and you, you can pray for God to set you free, and yes, he does set you free, but he also said you got to do something. Well, how do you get rid of that? Because despair is hopelessness. I want hope. So you see, it's, a, it's just like, I'm stuck. No, you're not. You're not stuck. Because the statements and the promises in God's word, they will fuel your hope. That is like gasoline. That is like diesel. That is like kerosene poured onto your hope. It's going to ignite it. Hear me well. It's the word of God. Now, without a biblical foundation, hope is nothing more than wishful thinking. And I'm not here to teach psychology or wishful thinking. You guys can get plenty of that kind of stuff from other people, and that's not, that's not my purpose here. And that's good. I mean, wishful thinking is good. But I'm talking about something that is much higher than that. I'm talking about this anchor that you have in the Word of God. And there's a very simple and practical way to integrate the truths of God's Word into your life. And this is how we stir up that hope. This is how we fuel that hope. So, for example, if negativity and pessimism is ruling your minds and it's ruined your it's it's ruined even your past and you've come to jesus but man you're like i still deal with this negativity i still deal with these feelings and these attitudes well if you can begin to recognize those thoughts as having their source in hell you then can begin to use god's word and counteract them with scripture in fact, here at the end of the message, I'm going to give you a very, very, very practical tool to, to use. That's going to be available to all of you guys. But you need to know this is negativity and pessimism can be overcome. Yes. You are not stuck there because that's the way your family was. You're not stuck there because of what happened to you. You can overcome this through the power of God. God can deliver you and set you free. And secondly, God can begin to work, and you've got to begin to work with God to, to push back on this, protect your mind. I want your hope to be fueled by the Word of God. Because negativity and pessimism, it's, that's what fuels, uh, it, it fuels despair. It's just flourishing in the world right now. It's flourishing in the culture right now. So how are we going to deal with this? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> you see, when the enemy is pursuing you with thoughts, telling you you are so messed up, and he's telling you about all this bad stuff that's happening to you or that has reminding you of bad stuff that has happened to you. And he's telling you that you're never going to be, get, be able to get out of this funk that you're in. He's, you're never going to be able to get out of this place that you're stuck. You can refuse to let that exist in your mind. Yes. Now, a very practical way you can do this is with a scripture. I'm just going to take one right here and share it with you how it works. That's Romans 8.28. I'm going to take Romans 8.28, and some of you may want to jot this down. Romans 8.28 says this. It says, In all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So this means every detail of your life has been woven together for the good of your life. Now, this is a scripture that you should memorize. But a way to fuel this is, is to, to get the scripture in you and to, to begin to say it and all this. But you need to begin to personalize God's word. A way to take that scripture and personalize it is like this. And I wrote this out. I love God. Therefore, every detail of my life is working together for good because I am called to fulfill his design purpose for my life. And as you begin to say that, and you even memorize a personalization of a scripture, all of a sudden you're going to find your 
your hope beginning to rise. And you're going to find those thoughts are beginning to be pushed back. Because hell comes with an assault, an attack on your mind. And he's going to attack you in ways where he has been successful in the past. That's a good way to know. So how's the enemy going to attack you? He's going to attack you in the way he's attacked you before. Okay? So we all know. You know what those are. I'm not asking you to tell me. You already know. So you already know basically how he's going to work. He's going to work along. And he does, it's different with everyone. He's going to work along the same paths that he's used in the past where he's had success. So again, when it comes to negativity or despair, uh, the enemy will say things to you like this. You will never succeed. And then what you begin to do is you begin to personalize what the enemy is saying. And you begin to say it. Sometimes they'll even say it out loud. I will never succeed. How many of you have mumbled? I don't know where your hand. <laughs> You've mumbled something like that. That was a thought put in your mind by the enemy. You will never succeed. And then you take what was what the, the word that came from the enemy, you personalize it, and you say, I will never succeed. Nothing good ever happens to you. You say, oh, nothing good will ever happen to me. The enemy says to you, why even try? You're a hopeless disaster. And you say and you think, why do I even try? I'm just a hopeless disaster. Okay, this is hitting home now, isn't it? This is hitting home now. But what you do is you counter it by personalizing God's word. Here's another way to, here's just another scripture that I can give you as an example on how to do this right here. It's, it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Oh, you're a hopeless disaster. You can't do this. No, I can do this through him who gives me strength. And the wonderful thing about that scripture is it's already personalized for you. I can, I can, I can, I can. This, and, and one of the things that I've done with this is I've written this out. The strength of God's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. And that pours fuel on my hope. So what you begin to do is you've got to protect your mind with the opposite of what's attacking your mind. And you do that through the word of God. And if you do it through the word of God, you're using that anchor. You're going to the throne of God. You are, you're holding on to the horns of the altar. You're filling your mind with God's word. That's why it's so critical, guys, that you be in the word every day. Find a way. Do something to be in the word on a daily basis because God's going to start showing you one thing, another, 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 another that you can integrate into your life. And the more of that that you have in you, there becomes no room anymore for the enemy to put those wrong thoughts into your mind. You're building up your hope. Your faith is coming alive. Now, I want to tell you the tool that I'm giving to you. On the City Life app, we put something on there. And and if you go onto the, the main screen and press refresh, you'll find something called Protect Your Mind. That's the title of today's message. There, I've put 40 different scriptures. Now, like we could have put hundreds because the scripture is full of hundreds of these scriptures. But this is a start. It's like a starter pack, all right? It's your little starter pack. And the cool thing is, is I'm not going to charge you for the rest. You know, you do something like in, in business, like I'm going to give you the starter pack and now come back to me and I'll give you more. Here's the beauty of this is, is you don't have to come back to me for the rest. You've already got the, the word of God, but I'm going to give you the starter pack. The starter pack is right there. I'm giving you 40 scriptures 
these are some basic scriptures that you can take and you can personalize when the enemy attacks you. And some of these, you're going to need to screenshot them. You're going to need to write them down. You're going to need to personalize them. And even wake up in the morning with a beside your bed and, and just, just say it. Get it into your head before anything else gets into your head. I'm telling you, church, it's time the church takes charge of negative thinking. You have the power to pull down those negative thoughts of hopelessness and despair. You do. You don't have to be held captive to those negative thoughts that are leading to despair. The enemy, yes, he is pursuing you, but you hold on to the sacrifice of Christ. You keep that anchor right there on the throne of God, which is Jesus. You're not going anywhere. You are set. You are secure. That's the helmet of salvation. And your emotions are going to begin to be transformed and your behavior is going to follow. And God continues to set you free. God sets you free. But you maintain that freedom and you lay hold of that freedom with hope. Is this helping anybody today? I really hope so. Now, here, here's the first thing you need to do. If you're here in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to experience the salvation that comes through the blood of Christ. Because you can't be anchored to the throne of God. You can't hold on to the horn of the altar if you've not given your life to Christ. So I'm just going to take a second right now. I'm going to ask everyone in here to bow your heads and, and just look internally. If you're in the e-community online, I encourage you to do that as well. Where are you spiritually? Before we go any further with praying for God to work miracles on our lives, I'm going to pray for the greatest miracle of all right now, which is salvation. There's no reason for you to continue walking down the road you're walking down. There's no reason for you to spend an eternity in hell. There's no reason for you to take the punishment for your sins because Jesus already took that punishment. Why in the world do you want to take the punishment for your sins? He's already paid for it. It's done. It's done. It's done. If you're here this morning and you're ready to make your life right with God and you want to, to pray this prayer with me and receive Christ into your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at the count of three. And when you raise your hand, just, just hold it until I see it. And if you're online, just say, I'm, I want to pray this prayer. And then somebody's going to connect with you online as well to bring you some encouragement. But here's what I want you to do. If that's you, at the count of three, just lift your hands so that we can pray together. One, two, three. Three, lift your hand up high. Lift your hand. That's me. I need Jesus today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thanks. Who else? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'm ready to give my life to him. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you lifted your hand or if you, you responded online, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Congregation, I'm going to ask you to pray as an encouragement to those who are giving their lives to Jesus right now. Come on, pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. I want to be a new creation. I want to lay hold of eternity. I thank you, Jesus, that you have died for me and you've taken my punishment so I don't have to be punished. My sins are forgiven. I am redeemed by your blood and I am now your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's the most important thing you can do. But we also need to lay hold of the power that's available to us to set us free, to continue to be free. Again, you can be on your way to heaven, but you can be entangled with a lot of stuff that's just pulling you down. And Jesus died for all that as well. And I want you to experience it. I want you to have it. 
Let me ask all across this room if you'll just stand with me right now. Come on, just, just stand. <clears throat> I want to pray. I want to pray for thoughts. And you know what the thoughts are. I don't. See, I can't get inside your mind, but you know what the thoughts are. I want to pray that there is a, there's a, there's a breaking of these strongholds in Jesus' name over your mind. God sets you free. We take the additional steps is what I talked about today. But there's power in the blood of Jesus to set you free. And I want you to receive that today. I'm going to pray. And when we pray, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. I want you to receive these prayers right now. First of all, I just want you to just begin to worship God. Just invite the presence of God into this room. Come on. Come on, just begin to invite the presence of God. The way you worship God is just by saying, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, my God. I love you, my Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're welcome in this room. You're welcome in this space. You're welcome in this place. Lord, I need you. I need you. I desire you. I desire you. I desire you. I desire you. Thank you, Jesus. He loves you, church. He loves you so much. He is not coming to bring guilt. He doesn't come to bring shame. He doesn't come to bring condemnation. No, he rejoices in your freedom. He rejoices in your repentance. And it's time just to get rid of those. Just get rid of that. Let's let the, let the enemy be pressed down and disconnected from you through the power of God. Come on, I want you to pray right now. Pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I come to you, Lord. You shed your blood for me. And I'm tired of the attack that the enemy has been bringing against my mind. Come on, say it out. I'm tired of the attack that the enemy has been bringing against my mind. So I'm running to you. I'm putting my anchor on the throne of God. I'm holding on to the horn of the altar. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to set me free, to deliver me from every spirit of hell that is lying to me. I am sorry, God, for personalizing the enemy's lies. I am sorry for speaking those lies. And I ask you, Jesus, to set me free from the power of hell over my mind. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want you to see freedom. Freedom from those thoughts that you'll never be healed. Freedom from those thoughts that you can never change. Freedom from those thoughts that that temptation will always be plaguing you. Freedom from those thoughts that things aren't going to get better. Be free in Jesus' name. 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 name. And then you're going to take the word of God. You're going to massage it into your heart massage it into your heart. You're going to personalize the Word of God instead of personalizing what hell has been bringing against you. And you're going to attack hell back with the Word of God. You're going to stay holding on to the horns of the altar. And the beautiful thing about the, the beautiful thing about that imagery of the horns of the altar, the beautiful thing about the, the tabernacle and the temple is that worship would have been going on continually the whole time. There would have been singing and the playing of instruments yeah. in that atmosphere. And that's what I want us to do right now. In the atmosphere of worship, I want you just to begin to cling to God and worship Him. Come on, lead us in worship, guys. Come on. Come on. There is hope. 
this before as well, but sometimes there will be just, uh, some, call them, some people call them night terrors, but I would call them like demonic dreams. And I think I'll need to address this here real quick, but some, some of you are experiencing just like demonic dreams. And they'll come to me sometimes, and it's just, it's purely demonic, just purely, purely demonic. I mean, as evil as evil can be, all right? And that didn't come out of your mind. The enemy was trying to plant that in your mind. But I, I learned this a long time ago, and, and I, in my dream, I, I would even just begin to say, Jesus, Jesus. And so many times, so many times, I'll wake up just saying the name of Jesus, 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 and it's like it's set free. It's gone. Now, that works with dreams, but it also works with any situation you walk into that's evil. Because some of you, you're, you're walking, maybe even in your home, you feel there's, a, there's this there's a sense of evil. Something isn't right. You just need to walk through with the name of Jesus. 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 My hope is in you. Jesus. Jesus. Something is powerful about that name. The scriptures say that demons tremble at the sound of the name of Jesus, church. You got to use that name. That is the name of the author of your salvation. That is what you're anchored to. And, we, and begin to walk and pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, I love it. I love it when I go into, I'm called on occasionally to go into government meetings and I walk in there and I start speaking the name of Jesus, Jesus, bless, Jesus, 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 Jesus. One time I prayed at a city council member meeting years ago and I prayed in the name of Jesus and I went and sat down and someone turned around and said, that name is not to be spoken in here. I said, well, I just broke the rules. I said, that name is now spoken in this room. Jesus, 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 the name of Jesus drives out darkness. It's going to push those thoughts away and I want you to embrace it, receive it, do it with the word and the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing that one more time. Your name. sets us free, but we continue in this process by applying the Word of God. Something really practical right now. Either get your Bibles, or get your notes, or pull up that little thing from the app that I showed you earlier. And I want you to find one scripture. I don't want you to leave here until you get a scripture. If you leave here, then you're cutting yourself short. I don't, I don't want you to change yourself. Come on, I give you the starter pack. <laughs> I want you to get, everybody just do this. We're going to take a couple minutes here. So I want you to just blackboard. Get your notes or get a scripture or whatever. Get your Bibles. Take, take one of those scriptures. Find one of those scriptures that you're going to take right now. Don't spend 45 minutes looking for it. Just take, take one of those scriptures and you're going to apply it to your life. And you're going to personalize it for you regarding an attack that's been coming against your mind and emotions. Come on, get it. And then, then just, begin to, just begin to whisper it out loud. Begin to whisper it out loud. Come on, church. You're doing damage to hell right now. Yeah. You're just in this is powerful. This is powerful. This is powerful.
whisper it out loud all across this room. The angels can hear it. The throne of God can hear it. Darkness can hear it, even though we don't hear it in here. They can hear it because it's the word of God, and it's powerful. It is a two-edged sword. This is going to protect. You're protecting. You're putting on your helmet right now. You're putting on your helmet of salvation. See how this is done? You're putting on your helmet of salvation. Christ Jesus, the old has gone, the new has come. You see how this works? Yeah, come on. to your throne, to the mercy seat. We're going to do it holding on to the horns of the altar and not letting go. Devil, you don't have us. Your thoughts, your life, your pursuit of us, we will flee from you. And you got to flee from us too. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you give the church victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.